In the film Demolition Man, which we are watching today, there is reference to a franchise war in which Taco Bell comes out the victor. I would like to know, Angelica, what are your fast food, uh, you know, favorites and least favorites? I will start by saying I think I've had Taco Bell fewer than five times in my life. What? Yeah, it's weird. My husband says that when I when I always remind him, he's like, what? We should go to Taco Bell. I don't think I've ever had Taco Bell with him, by the way. And we live a few blocks from a Taco Bell. There was not a lot of fast food near me when I was old enough to like go out and get fast food on my own. I grew up in a house where my mom was like, no fast food. Mm -hmm. She's from Greece. She has a really healthy diet and tortured us with her overly healthy diet as kids. So like McDonald's once in a while, we got McDonald's as kids and that was special. And I don't even remember knowing what Taco Bell was in the 80s. And then when I went to college, I lived in the back bay of Boston and there were no, no fast food restaurants anywhere close by, which sucked because that's all you can afford. And then I just never got Taco Bell for some reason. And I think the only times that I've had it, I was like covering hurricanes on the Carolina coast. And that was the only thing open. I don't, I think it was good. And I don't know why I don't go there. Maybe it's just because it's not a habit for me, mm -hmm. but um when I'm watching this movie thinking I need to eat Taco Bell more, but I like, I, maybe this is controversial, but I, I like McDonald's. I think McDonald's is delicious. Um, I know it's not healthy. It bothers me when people are so like snobby about fast food and McDonald's in particular. I'm like, there's a reason McDonald's is McDonald's because this stuff tastes really good. These fries mm. are excellent. I um, do not like um, In-N-Out. I've only had it twice and I thought it was a little bit overrated. I admit that I probably need to have it more to decide. I think Burgerville has gone downhill since I've moved here. And I don't know if I'm just turned off by the prices. I, it's mm -hmm. really expensive. I would never eat Burger King. It's garbage. I like Wendy's. I like their fries. I would have to say my favorite is McDonald's, though. That is an extremely basic opinion, but you're entitled to yeah. have it. Yeah. What I think about McDonald's you? cheeseburgers, little cheeseburgers, and French fries are like a god tier uh, fast food meal. But that's what I get. I get the two cheeseburgers meal. Yeah. I like the simplicity of it and that you can eat two of them and not, you know, just explode and the hot fries with a lot of salt. That that is a very satisfying meal. But I would say the rest of their menu is pretty garbage. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I love Taco Bell. You know, it's not Mexican food at all. It is right. Taco Bell. It is its own weird yeah. little entity. Um, Wendy's I can definitely go for good burgers, good fries. I agree that in and out is wildly overrated. Uh, if you're going to eat that kind of fast food where it's like a little higher end Shake Shack is infinitely better. Um, I had Shake Shack for the first time a couple months ago. I, I think I don't like smash burgers. Mm. I think I just, I need that more juicy burger kind of, cause I've had a lot of smash burgers around town and they're all good, but I just don't think it's my thing. Well, go next time you're in the Midwest or South, uh, there is a chain of smash burgers uh, called. No, it's, it's right over my head. I, I'll think of it. If you've had a really good one, then you'll know. Um, I'm so annoyed with myself. I had it once in Wichita, Kansas, and it was incredible. And it's all over the place. I'll think of it. Anyway, um, I think wildly underrated fast food is Arby's. Oh, <laughs> this is so funny you say that. 
Two days ago, Bill told me he secretly goes to Arby's up the street a lot by himself. Sometimes he sits in the restaurant. And I said, why? And he goes, because none of you guys like Arby's and it's one of my favorite things. And he he has this fantasy Arby's story that he tells everyone. Um, he was on this quest on the East Coast to get Arby's as he was driving all the way up. It was like a 10-hour a drive when we lived out there. And there was a sign that said Arby's next exit, and he couldn't find it. And it, he went 45 minutes out of his way looking for this Arby's, and he was so angry. And when he finally found it, he said it was like the heavens shine down. It was this massive Arby's. This is about 20 years ago. That looked like it, it, it looked like a mall itself. And he walked in and he said, what is this place? And they had table service and huge TVs everywhere. And they said, this is the biggest Arby's in the world. And they explained to him that he was like at the Mecca of Arby's. And he tells people about this, like it was one of the best dining experiences of his life. And he is constantly preaching the Arby's menu. That is incredible. Uh, what do you yeah. get there? You know, a roast beef sandwich, curly yeah. fries, soda. I mean, nothing crazy. They have like uh, the best sauces in fast food. I'm really excited because Arby sauce, their like barbecue sauce, is now available in bottles at the grocery store. And oh, I eat funny. it all the time at home. That's funny. So they're going the way of Panera and selling their stuff in the grocery store. Yeah, it's smart. Uh, so, yeah. And, and I think, you know, in and out back to that real quick. The burgers are just fine. The, the fries are the worst fast, fast yes, food fries possible. They're awful. They remind me of Burger King fries and their shittiness. Burger King at least tries. Like they Burger keep Burger King has the fries. like little warts on the outside. I'm not a fan of that. But but they're but they're trying to make good fries. They're just not yeah. having a lot of luck. In and out is just saying, here, these fries suck and you will you will eat them. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um yeah, so so Taco Bell's right at the top of my uh, Arby's are really right at the top there. What should I get at Taco Bell? Because I'm gonna have to try it this well, week. Soft Taco Supreme to me is a classic, just a soft taco with sour cream and tomatoes. The problem with Taco Bell is they've taken away all of my favorite menu items over the years. So like double decker tacos were fantastic. Do you know what those were? No. Hard shell taco, soft shell taco or soft shell tort, you know, soft tortilla beans wrapped around a taco. It was fantastic. Um, the Cholito was like a little chili cheese burrito. Uh, the Mexi Melt, the authentically named Mexi Melt, oh, wow. uh, was great. They're all gone. Gorditas are gone. But so if I were if, if I were you, I would get the soft taco supreme, potato taco is surprisingly oh. good. Oh, that sounds good. And uh, you know that's that's me. My my wife loves the Mexican pizza, which is back. It's okay. not for me, but she loves it. Yeah, they have a lot of stuff that they put on the menu for a couple months. Everyone loves it, and then it disappears. If anyone's interested, by the way, I just looked it up. The Arby's is in Colonial Heights, Virginia, and it's 7,000 square feet. Wow. It's a lot of shaved beef. Welcome to Film Swap, the podcast where we challenge each other to watch the movies that we've let slip through the cracks or purposely shoved into the cracks for whatever reason. I'm Nick Bull. And I'm Angelica Thornton, and today we're talking about Demolition Man. At the end of a century, ravaged by violence, a society of perfect order will arise. Criminals will be frozen and reprogrammed in cryogenic prisons. The prisoners are ice cubes. Their criminal instincts are being reprogrammed as they sleep. Aggression and deviant behavior 
will be totally eliminated. He's a criminal the likes of which you have never seen. In a bad time, he was the worst. I'm gonna love running this place. But in the year 2032... This morning, Simon Phoenix escaped from this cryo facility. We are, quite frankly, not equipped to deal with the situation. Amidst a world of peace and calm... We're police officers. We're not trained for this kind of violence. How was the fiendish Simon Phoenix apprehended back in the 20th? In the end, it took just one man. John Spartan. You mean the demolition man? Sylvester Stallone. Wesley Snipes. Demolition Man. Demolition Man is a 1993 American science fiction action film directed by Marco Marco Brambilla. In his directorial debut, stars Sylvester Stallone, Wesley Snipes, a pre-fame Sandra Bullock. It has Nigel Hawthorne and a turn from Benjamin Bratt before he was lawed and ordered up. Uh, Stallone plays John Spartan, a subtly named risk-taking police officer who has a reputation for causing destruction while carrying out his work. After a failed attempt to rescue hostages from an evil crime lord, equally subtly named Simon Phoenix, played by Wesley Snipes, they are both sentenced to be cryogenically frozen in 1996. Phoenix is thawed for a parole hearing in uh, 2032, but escapes. Society has changed quite a bit in that time, and all crime has seemingly been eliminated. Unable to deal with a criminal as dangerous as Phoenix, the authorities waken Spartan to help him capture uh, Simon Phoenix. Uh, some some hilarity ensues, some, some carnage ensues. There's a bizarre subplot, including... Um, Dennis Leary, who is effectively playing himself as a rebel leader who lives underground, who rejects the sort of authoritarian rule of the day. Um, this is a very strange, strange movie. It's fun. It's terrible, but it's fun. Angelica, why had you not seen this movie? I don't know. I mean, I was in college when this was out. This is also not my genre, like a 90s action film. I haven't seen a lot of them. In fact, I look up I looked up Wesley Snipes' filmography because I was like, how have I not seen him in anything? I mean, I've seen him in a couple of things and I haven't seen most of the stuff he's been in because it's just not my thing. Um, so I don't know. I don't even really remember this film. I don't remember anything in college, but um, I really had fun watching this. How many times have you seen it? Probably four or five. Four or five times. Okay, that's like good. Classic. You're committed to you're committed to this film. And was this Marissa's first time watching it with you? It was. And <laughs> this is the classic movie. And like I hadn't seen it in quite a while. I will say that. It's it's like one of those movies that used to come up on cable and I'd watch. You know what yeah. I mean? And then I'll I'll tell this story later, but I saw it on a plane from Europe back home. And there's some interesting changes on the that right. version. Yeah. But I'll talk about that here in a little bit. So yeah, I've seen it a lot, and I think it's just one of those movies you can pop on and catch part of and it's okay totally i was watching it i'm thinking in the beginning okay this is ridiculous um and it just at first i guess it sort of struck me as like a comic book action adventure kind of film like the writing the acting i was like oh this is like an old cheesy um episode of like batman or something and then pretty quickly i realized this is a comedy <laughs> it's, it yeah. is funny um it's bonkers it's um, 
just totally absurd, but the one-liners come at you at this steady pace, which I think makes it enjoyable to watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And you get the sense everybody involved in this movie knew exactly what they were making. There was nobody who thought this was like some sort of high quality action film or serious drama or even commentary on the world because, you know, there's definitely some political commentary going on in this movie, but it's so ham fisted and stupid for lack of a better word. I don't think anyone can take it too seriously. Yeah. They're all in on the joke and it was great. And it was, I mean, it was so steady um, that I, at one point I was like, you know, this could be like an AI written film. I know we've <laughs> been talking a lot about that, but I was like, this is what artificial intelligence would think a good movie would be. Yeah. That's, but that's so nineties, right. To think that way. I mean, it was very nineties. It uh, was produced by Joel Silver, which tells you a lot right there. If you know much about his movies, um, he just, crap after crap after crap and i feel like something like this almost works in spite of his touch you know what i mean yeah. look, it's like the batman stuff he did in the 90s it was going for this kind of tone and those movies to me failed miserably but this one worked because it's sort of free of the expectations you would have of a batman movie yeah um so you know i i, I think it's a fun movie um you can't go into it like intellectually you can't go into it expecting anything really no. And just sit back and relax and enjoy it, which is, I would say, applies to almost most of Sylvester Stallone's films. I mean, well, I was going to ask you, do you like Sylvester Stallone generally? I need to do like a, a Sylvester Stallone weekend where I watch a lot of his stuff because I like, you know, several of the Rocky films, but I, I haven't watched a lot of his stuff since I was a kid, like, you know. I mean, I I don't remember Rambo. I don't remember most of his stuff. Yeah, I've never seen the Rambo movies at all because they came out when I was a little kid. And yeah, I don't particularly like Sylvester Stallone as an actor or as a person, frankly. Yeah. So like, I've seen Rambo, I've seen Rocky, and it's it's a great movie. It's a classic for a reason. And I've seen this one, and I've seen a couple others. Yeah, but... I just I don't know enough about him to, you know, judge. I heard he was great in Creed. I didn't see Creed. Oh, Creed was really good. Yeah. Uh, but that's not really to me a Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, movie. exactly. It's, it's just one of his more movie. recent roles, right? Yeah. Like Ryan Coogler, I think, directed that and he's fantastic. So like it didn't have like this patina of macho crap. That yeah. Everything... Which is it seems like that's all he's capable of. I was asking my husband, Bill, like, has he ever broken apart from one of these roles, like a Rocky type role or Rambo or, you know, um, this role in uh demolition man and done anything different and i couldn't come up with anything not that i've seen not that i've seen either yeah. and rocky is his most sensitive movie yes absolutely rocky actually has some emotions and something yeah. going on you know um but uh yeah so i feel like this movie if you are not a fan of him is a perfect entree to it because he's sort of also mocking his own image a little bit with yes it. Yeah, I did read uh, that this was originally written as just a, like an action film mm -hmm. and then um, rewritten by Daniel Waters, who's uh, known for Heathers as a okay. comedy in a matter of weeks. And that probably, I want to say, saved the film. I mean, I obviously didn't see the original screenplay, but take out the, the funny lines in this and it would be just really bad. 
Yeah. And if you take out the comedy too, the political messaging in it, you, you know, this sort of anti-liberal, the people in charge are liberal fascists effectively. Right. And then that it's so ham fisted and heavy handed without yeah. the humor cutting undercutting that. Right. Right. And, and, and maybe I see it differently now too, as a person who is experiencing a different kind of actual fascism in our country, not to get yeah. too deep into politics here, but it's yeah, not coming yeah. from the liberal side of the, of the aisle. Yeah. And so like, to me, it's, you, you need the humor to be able to watch this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely an underlining anti-conformist social critique, but it's not, uh, it's not enough to carry the film. And at the end of the day, this was just funny to me. Yes, it was. And Sandra Bullock, stole the show i know she was so great every time she would screw up one of those catchphrases those expressions i'm just like let's blow this guy i'm like i love her god no wonder why she turned into a star she was relatively unknown right yeah i think this was like her first big role yeah she's so cute in it and she's so enthusiastic she's first of all she's perfect for this role and she totally embraced it and she really delivered. I'm not saying she was like her acting was extraordinary, but she was perfect and so delightful to watch that if you take her out, that's it. I agree. Uh, Lori Petty was supposed to play her or did play her, right? Briefly, like for a couple of days. Yeah. Like and then got fired because she didn't get along with Sylvester Stallone. She said they were like oil and vinegar. And I, 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 I can't imagine her in that role. No, because she she just doesn't have like the innocence. She's so Lori Petty's persona is so like yeah. sort of cynical, sort of. Yes. Yeah, you, you need somebody who, like Sandra Bullock, can play sort of daffy and fun. And yeah, I just don't absolutely. see Lori Petty doing that. I loved at all. her. She's so great. And I'm just I, I was watching her, and this is like the youngest she's been on film, and just the most innocent. And I'm thinking, it not only is she just adorable and you know charming she's gorgeous mm -hmm. this is why my brother's been in love with her for 30 years she I, I was thinking as i was watching it she does not look like any other hollywood actress true i mean not to get on her looks or anything but we do this and i was like i can I, I, just like it's perfect it was a perfect uh casting move she looks like a real pretty woman. You know what I mean? Yes. Like a woman who's pretty, who you would say in real life is pretty, but is also pretty on screen. Because I feel Absolutely. like a lot of the times, and it's true of men as well, but we're talking about women here. There are people on screen, actors who I think look fine on camera, but when you see photos of them or if you saw them in person would look kind of freaky. Exactly. And, and my husband always mean. says this, that the, someone's persona or their reputation makes them more attractive. And he always uses this as an example. He says, JFK was an ugly man. If you saw him walking through the grocery store, you would not look twice. And I used to disagree with him. And then I started thinking about it. And I'm like, yeah, he was kind of a weird looking dude. And like that guy, if I saw him at, you know, pickup at school, I would not think, oh, that's a handsome guy. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, let's be honest. Same with Jackie Kennedy. I yes. mean, her eyes yeah. are way far apart and she's not classically beautiful, but we all right. believe her to be because you know, she, the aura around them. Yes, absolutely. Um, So yeah, she and her comic timing in this movie was fantastic. I mean, the delivery, just pitch perfect delivery. And imagine too, she got thrown into this as production had already started and they're just knowing how to play it perfectly right off the bat. It's kind of amazing. Right. I will say that 
her chemistry with Sylvester Stallone was so confusing to me. And I know they're supposed to make out at the end. They try to have sex and that whole scene. And I'm like, no, I, at this, ew, he seemed too old. She seemed too innocent. At one point, the subplot of him finding his daughter, I was convinced that she was going to end up being his daughter. And I was trying to do the math. And I'm like, oh, this is so gross when they're like, he thinks they're going to have real sex. And she puts the helmet thing on and they do this weird, I don't even know what you'd call it. What would you call that? What, like virtual sex. Virtual I think. sex. And then they stop it. I'm thinking no way that she's going to be his daughter. And then I'm waiting for the daughter plot to happen and it never happens. And then they have that awkward, no chemistry kiss at the end of the film. Mm -hmm. Well, so he is 20 years older than her in real life, right? Yeah. It just didn't work. And yeah. So the, I think the daughter plot was something that was cut. Well, so there's a few things here. One, why is he, he was just mourning his wife because in his brain, he just saw her, right? He was cryogenically yeah. frozen. So in his head, in his concept of time, he saw his wife last week. You right. know what I mean? And she's been dead for 20 years. And now he's like, yeah, let's, let's he's ask. ready. Yeah, he's ready for Huxley. And that's that's pretty crazy. gross. Yeah. And then, you know, they bring up the fact that his daughter is in this world and he doesn't know if he'll, she'll be able to accept him. And then they just never return to it. Yeah. If they're going to cut that out, um, they need to cut it out entirely. Yeah. They should have cut out that scene in the car where he mentions it. Because all it does is exactly what you said. It, it plants that seed, right? This, yeah. Yeah. They, that maybe she is his daughter because she's certainly young enough to be his daughter. Yeah. Maybe they wanted us to feel uncomfortable going into that virtual sex scene. I don't know what the point of that would be. It was just weird. I didn't, I didn't like that. Um, so this is a tangent. Remember the scene when he's getting, uh, getting cryogenically frozen, right? And he deserved it too, by the way. I mean, he's obviously like, you know, reckless and all that. Yeah. It's funny to me, this movie came out in 93 and they envisioned a future only three years in the future where cryogenically freezing yeah. people would be punishment. And I don't All understand. All it took was three years. <laughs> and the whole concept of cryogenically freezing them and then releasing them later where they're the same age. Like, how is this punishment exactly? Yeah. It so makes they're no sense. Longer? They're going to get to see and the future. They should have had the, the, the film taking place farther into the future, but I guess the daughter part wouldn't have worked for that, but then yeah. they removed it. So it kind of screwed the whole thing up. I mean, I, I, I thought several times watching this, this is what they thought it would be like in less than 40 years. And they kept calling him a prehistoric man. I'm like, dude, it's been like 38 years or something. What the hell is happening? I love Bob Gunton in this movie who plays the police captain with the ridiculous glasses. Yeah. Just he's on a 10 at all times. You caveman, you savage. And that to me is one of the funnier parts of the whole movie. He just can't stop yelling that at him. And it's hilarious. He's, he's Warden Norton from Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Yeah. He plays an imperious asshole so well. Yeah, it's so good. It's uh, so he good. was great in it. But I, I want to go back to the, the cryogenically freezing. So like half of this, I feel like was just an excuse to show Sylvester Stallone's naked body. And, right. And I feel at one point there's definitely an, a shot from below where you see his balls, right? I. I almost texted you. Did I just see Sly Stallone's nuts? I think, I think we did. I think we did. I think, and I think that was for the ladies. Yeah. And, so and, here, here's a, here's a, here's an opinion I have. I don't know if you knew this, but men generally speaking, enjoy women's breasts. Right. You're aware of this. You've heard this. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
I believe there, there's no analog for women, right? There's no body part of men that you are like obsessed with seeing and or touching, correct? I mean, outside um, of the main sex organs. I listen, I think every ball sack is gross looking. So no, that is never going to happen. Penises are weird. I don't want to see them in movies, but a nice butt works. Okay. And so I the- think women like butts and <laughs> sound like Tina from Bob's Burgers. Um Yeah, I mean, like, it would have worked better if we got a nice shot of his ass, did we? Yeah, we definitely got some Okay, Yeah, because he's turning over in the thing, so they did give us a shot. Back to my tangent here. I believe balls should be the women's boobs, the boobs and balls. They should be the equivalent. Women should obsess over men's balls the way men obsess over women's boobs. I'm thinking, like, pants where there's, like, a little cleavage. Have Have you studied your balls, dude? I mean, at length. So... What about the testy testes testes would make you think that we'd, I mean, breasts are beautiful. True. Balls are beautiful. Balls are not. Oh, I mean, isn't it beauty in the eye of the beholder? I mean, I'm just saying, you know, there, there, you could, there's gotta be something. It just, as a man, you want to feel beautiful sometimes. That's all I'm saying. And that's an area. Okay. You know, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. There's, you know, a woman, you know, guys walking down the street, staring at women's chests. Women could like, like gaze their eyes a little lower. You know what I mean? As men uh, pass by. We don't enjoy that. Well, that's, I think that's on you. I think that's I, like, okay. We don't enjoy the, the, the men looking here and not up here. So I don't know. Of course. Maybe you guys should experience that level of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? harassment like objectification yeah sure yeah i know that's what i'm saying with the balls okay put on a tight pair of shorts <laughs> maybe there's a little window you know in there just just okay just to right. subtle. try it out let me know how it works we need like a hidden camera show for this to really see how this is gonna work i think you'd probably get arrested but that's another story okay um, so that was a good tangent yes so the cryogenically freezing ball shot was for the ladies and then you got him defrosting where he was in the full fetal position with his five foot four body or whatever it is. Um, that really shows off how short Wait, he he's is. that no, short. He's pretty, he's not five, four, but he's pretty short. Um, I didn't realize that he seems tall to me, but so does Tom Cruise until you realize he's short. So according to the internet, he's five ten, but there's no way that's true. No, that's a lie. The internet also says I'm deaf and I have cochlear implants. So that's right. <laughs> The internet barely acknowledges I exist, so <laughs> it's tough to. <laughs> I did see an article about your balls on the internet, by the way, so yeah, well. don't cut yourself too short. <laughs> All right, so uh, why were we so obsessed with cryogenics in the 90s? Isn't this like when the Disney stuff was like a big story? Ted Williams's head being cryogenic. Yes, I'm surprised frozen. neither of those um, were included in the movies. Just yeah, as references. Neither references was included in this film. Well, I think the answer is obvious. So like the idea that science could artificially extend your life and you could see, you know, the future, you know, yeah. everyone wants to know, like, I don't know. It seems like a natural human curiosity. What, what is the world going to be like? Or it will medical science advance to the point where you can extend my life permanently. Once I wake back up, you can do this yeah. other treatment to make me live forever. So it makes sense, I guess. I mean, nobody wants to die. No, I'm just saying, like, why didn't they include, like, like a Disney reference? It was the 90s. 
Yeah, maybe uh, you know, it's a, it was like a corporate studio thing. Yeah, like, true, 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 true. Ted Williams to me seems like the one, although it's, it was just yeah. his head, right? So what are you going to do with his head? Yeah, that, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, if anything, they should use his brain. Maybe I don't know. That was the hope: take his brain and put it into another vessel. I, I... They should have frozen his balls, the part that everyone valued the most. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. That, that it's an interesting concept. And and obviously we're not there yet. I mean, we can freeze the body parts, but then what? So I don't have enough viewing experience with this movie to be able to quote it, but this to me seems like the most quotable movie ever. <laughs> Like there's so many lines that I wanted to write down and bring up, but there were too many. I kind of just got overwhelmed. Yeah, there's a ton of quotable lines in this for sure. All of the things that Sandra Bullock says are great. Yes. Um, it's not exactly a line, but something the reference to come back to all the time is the three shells. Yeah. So what the frick? How do you wipe your ass with three iron shells? That's and they the, never tell us. That's the joke. It's great. You have no What's idea. What's your theory? What's your theory? I don't have a theory. I think it's made up and like it. There's no solution. There, it, okay. Yeah, because you, know, you can't. Because you can't. Maybe maybe at the... So you see the tops of the shells, right? Maybe there's like a... If you lift it up on the bottom, there's like water that sprays out like a... Or something, you know? Like a... Uh, you know, the thingy that sprays water up your butt. Yeah. Okay. Bidet. Right. Which... Listen, I talk about bidets at least once a week. And I try and get everyone to buy a bidet. Do you own a bidet? No, I've used a bidet. I got my oh. shorts all wet. I don't understand what I'm supposed to do with it. Oh, God. It is life-changing. To the point where it might be a problem for you to ever poop without your bidet at home. Wow. Like, that's how great it is. Do you have one that's like kind of like hooked into your toilet to draw the water? Yeah, and it's like 50 bucks, 40 bucks, and it is just the best. Highly Reminds recommend me. Tushy Bidet. Reminds me of a joke. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. What does an Australian use instead of toilet paper? Bidet, what? mate. <laughs> I think I've heard this from you before. Have this we talked about bidets things. before? We might have. Okay, wow. everyone's going to know I like a really clean ass. So uh, we've talked good. about that again. Yeah, so I didn't understand the seashell thing, but I guess we're not supposed to. And I like that it was the last line of the whole movie. <laughs> no, that's exactly. That's how they wrapped it up. Like, that's how you, I mean, that's another reason, you know, it was an intentional comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. That's my, that's my theory that, that, that there's like a bidet sort of thing. And maybe it's like a steps, so you like wash it and then it, one of them dries it and one of it scents it or powders yeah, it. Or totally. I don't know. Um, the acting. Okay. I thought Wesley Snipes was great. I mean, he's like the Joker. Like yeah. just the bad guy who loves to be the bad guy. His lines were great. I mean, totally ridiculous. You know, Jeffrey Dahmer. I love that guy. And, you know, you can't take people's rights or you can't take away people's right to be assholes. That's who you remind me of an evil Mr. Rogers, like just constant. Yeah, he's chewed up that scenery. That's for that's for sure. But yeah. th that's all that he was given to do. So it's not like there was any depth to his character whatsoever. Well, that's what makes it funny. Yeah. Yeah. So he's just a psycho and he plays yeah. it that way. A I psycho read... who enjoys being a psycho for sure. I read that Dennis Rodman liked this movie so much. That's why he died. His started dying his hair. No way. Yeah. Really? 
he wanted to look like Simon Phoenix. Oh, that's really sad. That says a lot. It, yeah, it kind of does. But, you know, I don't know. It was a popular movie and he viewed himself as the villain of the NBA. So it kind of makes sense. Yeah, little, yeah, you know. yeah. Um, yeah. And Sylvester Stallone, I thought actually was pretty good. He, he, he could tell he was definitely having fun with his own persona a little bit, but at the same time, not too much fun. You know, what yeah. I mean? he still wanted to be the badass and have the, the quips. And yeah, his acting is bad, though. I mean, I, I agree he set the right tone, but I it was just. I don't know. I just think his acting is so bad in this movie. I think he's only acted well once in his life, and that was in yeah. Rocky. So. I mean, it's like he's just talking loudly, essentially. The fact that he can't enunciate is is a problem as an actor when yeah. he has actual lines to deliver. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, but he, uh, you know, he, he he did the thing. You know what I mean? Like he was what he was what the movie called for. Like, yeah, he so is the demolition good. man. That is his thing. So yeah, he was cast properly. It's and it doesn't take away from the fun of the movie. The fact that he's not giving giving us this incredible performance. Yeah, and it's it is funny because he is the center. Obviously, he's the main star. But the movie did have a lot of room for the other characters to shine. Benjamin Bratt was fun in this movie. Yeah. Sort of wide eyed, innocent, pre nose yeah. job. Benjamin Bratt. Love it. Yeah, he was great. I love him. Um, and his little turn at the end when he was with the rebels and like, you know, having fun with the rebels. Dennis Leary is the leader of this anti-fascist, anti-society underground. And uh, he's, he's he doesn't think of himself as a leader, but sometimes people follow me is what he said. Yes. And, you know, you could tell he wrote most of his own dialogue because basically it was his stand up routine from that era anyway that he was famous for on MTV. It was kind of weird. It was funny, but kind of weird. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I would say it's his stand-up rants that he still does that. I mean, he still goes off on these rants. But because he's playing himself, it's believable. And his acting is pretty good. Well, it's pretty easy to play yourself. Exactly. Exactly. And it's not like he's given that much to do besides look scruffy and then do his act. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I <sighs> But it gets back into this political thing where, so, you know, Sylvester Stallone goes down to the underground and eats a rat burger and drinks a beer. And I'm like, well, where's the beer? Are they brewing the beer underground? Because if. You know, How do they starving. still have beer if it hasn't? Yeah, exactly. They're starving, but they have beer. You know, none of it makes a lot of sense. Uh, it was fun, though. I mean, it was kind of like a. It, it, this is very like it reminded me of. um. It's like a Broadway play where you have ragamuffins, like those outfits were yeah. just so stylized and ridiculous. It was like it's a hard knock life. Yeah. Yeah. There are cosplaying um, Mad Max basically down there. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, like, I, yeah. I would like to see a little more of that. I thought that was that was a fun part of the movie and uh, like seeing more of how they still li live like in the olden times, the prehistoric times would have been fun. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Um, but you know, that's a longer movie and then, then that's less Sylvester and, and I love Sandra Bullock's obsession with the 20th century. I thought that was cute. Mm -hmm. And there's some realism to that too. You think about like those people who collect fifties things or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Doesn't mean that's about the distance, right? It was 50 years. Yeah. So that kind of makes tracks a little bit. Um, I, uh, I I'd like to talk to about Taco Bell. Is this the most egregious product placement of all time? 
Yeah, I thought it's hilarious that there would be fast food wars and Taco Bell and you get into the story about how they changed it. Well, so, okay, well, yeah, let's start at the beginning, I guess. They approached, Taco Bell was not their first choice. So, like, basically, it sounds like everybody else said, no, we don't want to be in this weird movie of yours. McDonald's. Dumb, dumb move. Yeah, like, it doesn't matter how bad or good the movie is. You're at the center, and in this movie, your food is portrayed as, like, the best. And it's kind of a joke for modern-day audiences. Oh, Taco Bell's not the best. But in the movie, very seriously, it was, like, fine dining. Like, how does this portray you negatively? It's like... And so Taco Bell is the, you know, the 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 fine dining. It's all the food. All the restaurants are Taco Bell. So when I, a few years ago, was flying home from England um, or from the UK somewhere, uh, you know, want to watch a movie. Demolition Man was on the, the in-flight list of movies, so I watched it. And we get to the point where they start to talk about Taco Bell. And all of a sudden, instead of the word Taco Bell, they say Pizza Hut. I'm like, Pizza Hut? Like, this is not what they say, right? So they're talking about, oh, yes. And and then, like, you can see the mouths moving. Taco Bell, but the words are Pizza Hut. And so they get to Taco Bell, and the sign says Taco Bell, and everyone keeps calling it Pizza Hut. And I was so confused. And it turns out, in Europe, Taco Bell's not really a thing. Yum Brands owns Taco Bell and Pizza Hut. So they just subbed in Pizza Hut for the for the European audience. And I got to see that, and it's crazy. So they didn't even change the signs in post-production? Mm -mm. Huh. Interesting. Didn't care. But I mean, it's only like a quick pan over the sign. Maybe they just thought yeah. it was worth it. I love that Taco Bell is self-deprecating enough as a company. And you see this in their ads that they're like, sure, let's do it. And it was a really smart marketing move. Right? And yeah, in tie-ins in person, I'm sure that they had all kinds of tie-ins at their restaurants. I would have loved to have gone to like a special Taco Bell fancy meal because you remember when they go and they're served these miniature teeny tiny little tacos with like corn on it and stuff yeah. like that. Be kind of a fun little thing to go do. Although they said there's no more salt because it's bad for you. But I can't. Yeah, Taco Bell thing. should open an elevated restaurant. That would be a good spinoff chain. Well, they do the, the Taco Bell Cantina. That's a real thing. Oh, really? They serve alcohol there. What? Where? There are several locations all over the world i guess I, I mean i think they're still kind of piloting um i'll look this up how do you know all this okay i'm looking it up you know i'm I'm a i'm a vacuum for information i i take it in um they have a let's see i'm gonna type in portland oregon in their website there are no cantinas near portland oregon let's go to there's like one in vegas well, that makes sense there's no oh. There's a change.org petition. Bring a Taco Bell cantina to Portland, Oregon. There you go. I'm going to forward it to you. Let's sign it. <laughs> yeah, it looks like, oh man. Only 157 people have signed it. So we need to act now. I was very recently in Vegas for work. And this uh, Vegas one is only like two blocks. Vegas block. So it's still probably half a mile. But from where I stayed, I should have gone. That would have been kind of amazing to go get lunch at the Taco Bell cantina. And I'm curious, is the food better i mean right or is the food I, all the same? one of the commenters here says this is great this is ridiculous i believe all americans deserve equal access to the taco bell berry froze twisted freeze as it was written by our forebears we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life liberty and the pursuit of frozen alcoholic beverages provided by our favorite local mexican fast food franchise thank you and god bless america that's beautiful it is beautiful that's beautiful 
I would go to lunch at a Taco Bell cantina. For have sure. A elevated. Take a For business sure. lunch there. Sure. Yeah. Um, All right. Um, what haven't we talked about here? That's a fine question. So another bit of trivia. They talk about Schwarzenegger being the president and there was a constitutional amendment to make him the president, which is kind of funny. Uh, and I guess on the 10 years after this film was released, he became almost to the day he became governor of California. And I and I'd read, too, that there was some sort of Republican legislation to make an exception for him to be able to run for president. And it didn't fly. Huh, interesting. But, uh, so that's like an example of, you know, this this film now has a cult following and people talk about the predictive how it's like predictive programming. Right. Yeah. And, and there were some things that, you know, like I saw at one point the Bob Gunton's character, the police sergeant with the glasses was carrying around effectively an iPad that he was looking at stuff on. That's, you know, yeah, predictive sure. like 15 years before that was reality effectively. Um, trying to remember if there's anything else in there that really struck me as something that existed. Um, well, the the surveillance state sort of they have now there are ring cameras everywhere. You know, remember there's the scene where um Nigel Hawthorne's character, um oh, what's his face? Uh has is is confronted by Simon Phoenix outside of the art museum or the museum. That's right. That's and right. and later, John Spartan is able to go back and see them talking to know that they're in cahoots. Just yeah. this idea that there's cameras everywhere, right? Um, um, the 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 anti cursing um, culture was interesting too. I mean, I wouldn't survive a day. Obviously, I try not to swear too much on this podcast, like I do in real life. But it's it it's one of my favorite things, along with alcohol, meat sex swearing all the things that are illegal in this world are truly yeah. the best things well and i don't understand though like what this movie is trying to fight is like pc culture essentially it seems like like people who are into pc culture or whatever you want to call it they still like to eat tasty food they still like to yes. swear like i don't there's understand a gray the area in in their brains but this 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 you know this basically tells us that I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I'm trying to well, articulate a point. It's, it's like a mishmash of PC PC thoughts, right? And also religious fundamentalism. And it, those two, it's like combining oil and water. Like those things aren't going to go together. So it's not, you know, PC people who are saying don't swear. It's religious people, right? Who that offends their sensibilities or whatever. So it's kind of a weird, I don't, I don't, I feel like part of the message of the movie there, we talked about the politics gets sort of lost because there it's like a straw man argument effectively you're creating something that doesn't really exist these kind of are competing thoughts if that makes sense yeah well it was the fear back in 1993 i guess yeah that not being able to use certain words to describe people might lead to other limitations yeah right and i guess too it, it is hard sometimes in retrospect to judge works of art the commentary of works of art based on you know our current, current political climate values. yeah i mean this is when we were all fighting arguing uh you know over um tipper gore's you know campaign on mm -hmm. explicit lyrics and you know um artistic expression and freedom of speech and like i feel like the early 90s was when Democrats and Republicans were just both flipping out over, you know, protecting the children from everything. 
Mm-hmm. Which is an interesting thing too, because you think about how the difference between our childhoods and kids today. So when you were a kid, how much did you just spend time on your own rambling around doing kid stuff and how kids today don't do that like they used to. And how much of this is driven by fear of things that aren't worth being afraid of. And, you know, some of that stems from that era, right? I mean, protecting kids from everything, including life. That's an interesting concept to me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were, geez, um, just the difference between like your parenting, for example, like what, what you do with August, he's five. Mm -hmm. He probably is never without a parent, right? Not really. No, he, but I feel like he's still young enough where he kind of needs that, but yeah. I mean, he he does. He definitely does. Like he shouldn't be roaming around the streets as a five-year-old on his own. I was. <laughs> and part of it's because I had older cousins and an older brother. But I remember going as far as a mile away from home with my cousins and my brother and kids on the street. We were like a street gang. And like our parents did not care that kindergartners were just out there like animals running around. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that's a good thing. Like Jeez, bad shit could have happened to us. And yeah. uh, we did get into some trouble, but. I just, I picture you like straight out of Newsies with one of those little hats and a, like a canvas vest and, you know. Like the kids in the alley in a Christmas story where they're beating the crap out of each other and chasing each other around. Yeah. I mean, it was Marcus. more like that than it is now. Yeah. If I no, saw a five-year-old running outside my house like that. I'd be like, where, where are your parents? Do you need help? Yeah. Back then it was out. totally normal. Yeah. yeah, he my my son's by himself sometimes, sort of in the backyard in the driveway where yeah. he's when he's yeah. playing with the neighbor kids. But that's yeah. about it. Yeah, and they don't leave the driveway or the backyard. Yeah, they know so, not to. I mean, I'm just saying there, there's like swings here, right? And I feel For like sure. in, this whole era of protective parenting has some negative effects as well. And I think some of it stems from like you know social media and phones and all that's different now, obviously. But some of it too comes from. Uh, the the expansion of local television news and you know me and you to extend are complicit in that a little bit because you know there's more news shows so we talk more about kidnappings we talk more about sexual abuse things that are we should be talking about but we're happening before as well and it makes it seem like now it's more prevalent and it's not it's just more reported on oh man uh, Sylvester Stallone apparently wanted Jackie Chan to play the role of Simon Phoenix but uh, Chan turned it down because he didn't want to play a villain. Well, that's so Jackie Chan of him, isn't it? Well, then this is also pre Jackie Chan's real ascension into Hollywood. He had come in earlier and had a movie that failed. He was still like the king of Hong Kong. Yeah. But hadn't, you know, made his mark. I think it was, uh, what was it? The movie made with Chris Tucker rush hour that sort of yeah. sprung him onto American audiences. He could barely speak English and I think he still can not speak English very well. So I think that was another impediment. Yeah. I don't think Jackie Chan would have worked in this role. He's so lovable. Like yeah. Wesley Snipes can look evil when he wants to. And yeah. I don't think Jackie Chan can do that, but also super hot. I forgot how good looking he was Wesley when he was Snipes? younger. He still looks good. I mean, he still looks great, but man, he was a good looking dude when he was young. All right. <laughs> you like the blonde hair? I just think, you know, his he's he's handsome. He's got great bone structure. And even when he was just has that evil look in his eyes, I was like, oof. Yeah. 
he's good. Uh, I, I think they I think they cast him correctly. So you it's would perfect. have preferred if instead of Sylvester Stallone's nude body in the D in the cryogenic freezer we saw. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't do that. Well, I think we both know why they didn't do that. He wasn't the star and he was, you know, so this was Sylvester Stallone's movie. He can't yeah, be upstaged. Yeah. yeah. No one wants to see the bad guy's nuts, I guess. And there's some racial things I'm sure involved there too with a naked you know, black actor. And well, stuff. I saw, I saw some criticism that, um, that they cast the villain, the, a black man as the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the bad guys, you know, uh, were minorities in the film. I didn't really notice that while watching it. And I don't, I mean, I, I, I didn't see that as a glaring problem. Well, one of the bad guys was Jesse Ventura. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, well, that was another weird thing about the movie and something you can tell they cut because you remember he made the big thing about I'm going to need some of my friends to come help me. That's a terrible Wesley Snipes impression. But um, and then they defrost like five guys. We see them. They briefly do some dirt and then they just disappear because at the end of the movie. Right. It's John Spartan freezing and beheading uh, Simon Phoenix. Oh, and God, that scene go. was crazy, too. <laughs> so hilarious. But I guess maybe maybe those guys because they're not to the level of of villain that Phoenix is the regular police can handle them or something. I don't know. Yeah. But it seemed weird that they would go to this big trouble to introduce these guys. They don't really fight. You just kind of see them. And that's yeah, it. another subplot that doesn't pan out in the film. Yeah, exactly. And you had somebody like Jesse Ventura, who is recognizable. He was famous then. This is pre governor Ventura, obviously, but he yeah, was- give him a little more time. Why not? Yeah, so it's kind of weird. I guess it was a big fight scene between Jesse Ventura and Sylvester Stallone that got cut. So oh. maybe that's kind of where yeah. it was. So this was an editing problem somewhat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, some fun, some fun little factoids about this movie. Jack Black was in this movie very briefly. Uh, he was one of the scrubby, uh, you know, underground dwellers. And there's a scene where um, right before Leary launches into his big monologue about you know red meat and smoking and whatever it is he talks about jack black is one of the dudes with him just young super young oh wow jack black okay um doing that and then there was a couple of other i think i'm trying to find now i have all these where's waldo things to look for the next time i watch the film i rewatched it and you get it's just of the barest flash of him you have to really be looking because i didn't see it the first time i watched it and then i read back and, and and saw him and i think there's somebody else famous in this as well but oh yeah dan cortez if you caught him do you remember him that's yep that's like peak 90s right there yep dan cortez if for the uninitiated was a mtv celebrity who was in their rock and jock didn't he start on like the real world as a real world contestant yeah i want to say he was in a couple different reality shows and then he became a you know a D-list actor for a while. Rob Schneider has a very small role, although a very memorable role as the guy who teases uh, Stallone about the three shells. Yeah, and his just his Schneider laugh was just so irritating. What? That's his shtick, right? I yeah, mean, right. He he probably I'm guessing he befriended Sylvester Stallone on that one because he also played his sidekick later in Judge Dredd which is a very bad Sylvester Stallone movie. I haven't seen that one. It was kind of going for sort of the same tone as this one, but it stunk. The The remake they did a few years later with Carl Urban called Dread was much, much better. Um, I'm looking at the Dan Cortez filmography and 
it's a lot of random stuff. Um, you know, host playing himself, small roles in films. He was in Seinfeld. Right. He's, I want to say he's aged well too. Good for yeah, you. I mean, you can go a long way if you're a handsome man, right? Yeah. And get the right opportunities. Yep. yep. Um, do we have anything else to say? Well, first off, would you recommend this movie to anyone? And did you did you watch it with your boys? Because you had talked about I that. I didn't. I didn't have time, but I will watch it again with them after screening it. I think um, it's totally fine for both kids. I mean, they're swearing, but they hear swearing all the time. I think it's. I think it would be fun to watch with them. I think that they would understand the humor behind it, mm-hmm. and they would appreciate the explosions and the fight scenes and everything else. It's fun. The pace is fun. I think it was a really enjoyable. If you understand it and you go into it with no expectations, yes. Yeah. And and there's a quick flash of boobs, so they'll like that. Um, you yeah, know, they're the right age for that. That was such a blatant attempt to toss in some boobs for no reason. But I guess it's fair. Turnabout is fair play, right? We got a nut shot. We got some boob shots. A boob um, shot. Boob shots. Which ones are you talking about? Well, the one where the lady calls on the video phone. It's just one. It's just oh one. yeah, right. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. wrong number. That yeah, was that was so random, by the way. I think literally they're like, we got to get boobs in here somewhere. Sandy's not gonna show them. What are we gonna do? That's my, oh my executive. God. The executive talking. Um. So, would you recommend this movie to someone? A hundred percent. Yes. Please don't take yourself too seriously and get mad. It's fun just to watch it. There you go. Uh, so speaking of serious, next week. Yes, we're watching Brokeback Mountain, uh, which you haven't seen. It's been, what, 18 years? Uh, it was a 2005 release. Wow. 2005. Given the subject matter, are there any shots of testicles? No, I don't think so. It's a mistake. It's why that film didn't yeah. win the Oscar. I mean, it was tough enough with the scenes that you will see. I can't imagine them going farther than that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I really love this film. I think it's beautiful, and I can't wait for you and Marissa to watch it. Yeah, she's excited to watch it, as am I. Um, it, it's a movie that I just we just didn't see for whatever reason during that season. I remember that year, I, I did see Crash, which was unfortunate, because um, I think it's just an awful movie. But I remember just, just yeah. One I, of I, the biggest I, Oscar snubs of all time, in my opinion. I, I had just started working overnights then. And so I was not seeing a lot of movies just because, you know, my schedule was all crazy. And so I think that's part of the reason I didn't see it. So I am looking forward to seeing it now. And I think Hall and Ledger are both great actors. So I, I think I'm uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, you'll like it. Let's uh, Let's end it with the best exchange in demolition man in my opinion when he says be well he says be fucked yes i'm never ever not going to respond be fucked to someone saying be well again for the rest (laughs) of my life don't you want to just say that to anyone who would say the phrase be well like such a stupid phrase to say they definitely deserve a be fucked in response just like people who sign their emails best comma Please stop doing that. Best. Be fucked. Yeah. See you next week, Angelica. Be fucked. See you, Nick. Film Swap is produced and hosted by Angelica Thornton and Nick Vole. You can watch or listen on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow Angelica on Twitter at AngelicaKATU and follow Nick at Nick Vole. 
share your thoughts on the films we discussed there, and we might just read them on the show. Music by John Michael Farley and Nick Bowles.